Hello, and welcome back to The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Kelsey Jane. And we're back to do the classic among, again, among <laughs> high school theater programs and community theaters across the country. I thought you were going to say the Midwest. <laughs> The farm country classic. I don't know. Is Oklahoma the West or the Midwest? Uh, Where is it? Or, or I mean, people also people in Oklahoma have Southern accents. Is it the South? Well, they do in this musical. I think that they. I think that they do. I've never met a person from Oklahoma. That's a lie. I've met one person from Oklahoma, and she made me watch this movie. I didn't know that uh, Oklahomians, Oklahomans, were um, that proud of this musical. I would think that. Well, she was a Belmont like musical theater person, oh. so it this really fit with her whole vibe. Right. Okay. I this get This was her aesthetic. I think that probably Oklahoma was considered the West. Um, during like Western expansion is like frontier territory, right? Sure. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact: uh, they filmed this whole movie actually in Arizona. Really? Yeah they they scoped out locations in Oklahoma, but there were too many oil rigs. Oh, and that's very, in the background, and they couldn't just modern. like digitally erase them out like you can today right on an iphone and i think that the, like most westerns they probably had places that most westerns were filmed and stuff at the time in that area yeah like yeah. and and i think um okay so d- <laughs> this is way off topic but did you know that there will be blood and old country for no men no country for old men or, yeah what did i say <laughs> Old country for no man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start over. <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I think you should keep Here's it. Here's a fun fact. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you know that blood will be there? <laughs> <laughs> and old country for no man. <laughs> they were both filmed at the same time in Marfa, Texas. Interesting, yeah, because those were those came out the same year, right? They were, yeah, and like sometimes the shoots would be competing against each other. Like one, I can't remember which one, but one of them had to move, like they had to change their schedule because yeah. like the other movie's production was in their shot. Interesting. Fun fact. Cohen v. Anderson. Right. Mm-hmm. Mr. Maya Rudolph. Mr. Maya Ru- yes. Maya Rudolph's husband? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's talk about Oklahoma. With an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very um, early 2000s indie of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what know. does that mean? I don't know. The, the, I don't know. There was a lot of exclamation points happening like, You mean the like time. the shins? They had some... Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's not go down this, this <laughs> path. Uh, Oklahoma, directed by Fred Zinneman. Uh-huh. Only musical he ever did. Music by the famed Richard Rodgers mm-hmm. and Oscar Hammerstein II. Book and lyrics by, yes, Oscar Hammerstein II. So I love this movie mostly because of the music. I'm I'm a Rodgers and Hammerstein girl. And this was their first collab. Oh my gosh, and I love the music in this. Yeah. I love it. 
I do too. Like the whole thing is so campy and ridiculous, it, but I love the music. So this is my first time watching this, which yeah. is crazy to me. But I, we we just I don't know. It just wasn't part of the um, our family's you know traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's my first time. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised with the like more dark and adult the racier parts yeah Yeah, there's actually um they actually like toned it down a little bit from the stage version but not much because this musical this movie musical follows the stage musical more closely than any other rogers and hammerstein adaptation yeah they only changed two things they took out two songs Mm-hmm. One of them is Ali Hackham's song. Um, it's a scandal. It's an outrage. Mm-hmm. And it's a really fun song. So I'm bummed they cut that out. Yeah. Um, and the other one is sung by Judd. And it's it gives you just like a little bit more insight as to like why he is such a bummer. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes him like a little bit more of a scoundrel. Okay. Um, Gives you a little bit more of his motivations, and they cut it because they thought that it was too dark. Why for he hates audiences. women so much? Yeah, basically. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's pretty closely after they sing um, uh, "Poor, Poor Jed Jed. Is Dead." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, weird song. <laughs> it was a lot more like a lot more like sexual. It's very sexual. Than I yeah, like the churning of the butter. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why this made me think of that made me think of that scene in Moby Dick where they're squeezing what? the sperm. <laughs> what? Nothing. I did not read that book, and if I had, that wouldn't have been my takeaway. <laughs> so, I mean, do you want to know my letter grade? Yeah. Um, oh, do you have a guess? Is it um um O K L A H O M A. I would say B plus. Okay, I think that's fair. Uh huh. Yeah. What What are you What are you? I know it's one of your favorites. So. Well, I, it is, and there are things that I really don't like about it. At the same time. Yeah. Honestly, it's one of my favorite. Uh, scores, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. I really, really like a lot of the songs in this. Like, People Will Say We're In Love is one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. It's so sweet. Yeah. Um, and I really like the song, <laughs> um, Just a Girl Who Can't Say No, but yeah. not in this movie. It's atrocious in yeah. this movie. Like, oh, man. So I actually did a Gloria Graham deep dive. Um. When you were researching Gloria Graham, did you learn about her stepson? Yes. So I had, so this is actually, I I wanted to do this because I have like researched this on my own just for no reason. Um, Because I saw something, obviously everyone knows her from It's a Wonderful Life. Also, The Greatest Show on Earth was very big in my household growing up, and she was in that. I don't know if I'd say obviously. I didn't know who she was. Really? No. From It's a Wonderful Life. She's, um... I mean... Violet Bick. I... When I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, she was in that movie. Yeah. But, like, I wouldn't have made that connection on my own. Yeah. 
Well, so I, I had like, and then there was a, a biopic that was made of her uh, starring Annette Bening, um, just about like the end of her life and stuff. Anyway, yeah, I know about the stepson. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, we need to tell people about the stepson. Yes, she, she was... married her stepson. <laughs> she was the first Woody Allen. Yeah. Yeah, okay, she marries uh, this guy. Let me let me scroll down. The, yeah. the details are really complicated. They are. It's, um, it's, the, it's the, the, the son of her second husband, right? Yeah, okay, so this is the actress who plays Addo Annie. Yes. Getting animated with my, with my hands. Okay. She plays Annie, and um, this was her second husband, Nicholas Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she married him, he was 37. She was 25. Mm-hmm. They had two kids together, two sons, and he had a son from a previous marriage. Right. Who, at the time of the marriage uh, between the dad and Gloria Graham... I believe he was nine years old. Right. Um, when they divorced, or no, he may have been a little younger than that, but by the time they divorced, the son, uh, Anthony or Tony, Ray was 11 years old. He would later go on to become Gloria Graham's fourth husband in 1970, yeah. I believe, when he is 23 years old and she's 37. So even younger. Than she was when she married his dad. Yes. And his dad, Nicholas Ray, alleges that he walked in on them in bed together when his son was 13. Right. Yeah. That um, she had been grooming him from a very young age. but And this was brought up in a custody yeah, battle. Right. Or no. I, I don't know if I even read, Her, read it that way. I read that it wasn't... A custody battle with Nicholas Ray. I think it was a custody battle with another one of her husbands. Yes. Once the, and he once, alleged that she was an unfit parent because of the whole right. Anthony situation. Like, once this story hit the tabloids much later, the her... I mean, I don't think... At this point, no one will ever really know exactly what happened. But at the end of the day, she married her stepson. Yes. Like, there's just no way of making that okay. Yes. And her, but her final fling, who was um, also a much younger person, Peter Turner. Yeah, um, thirty years. Yeah, almost thirty. I think she. When, I think she was like fifty-six, or fifty-six, and he was twenty-eight, or something like that. Um, but he he says that uh, he also became a biographer of hers and disputed that claim. Uh, saying that the story of Tony being underage when Graham began her sexual relationship with him is fiction. Yeah, but the part about being his stepmother, fact. Yes, that is fact. <laughs> like, it's not so much the age when they got married. It's the fact that not that long ago, she had a very different role in his life. Right. And it's also kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like an admission of guilt that they, like, ran away to Mexico to get married. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with that kind of wedding, like, there's no appropriate venue. Right. Like, it wouldn't have been better if they'd gotten married in a, you know, in a church. But then they had two children together as well. Right, yeah, they did. So. (laughs) She had a lot of kids. (laughs) Yes, she Um, did. I think, didn't she have... Uh, I can't remember. 
Yeah, she had kids. I want to say four from four. Yeah. So from 1979 to 1981, she had a relationship with Peter Turner, who I talked about, um, who authored a book called Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, which was eventually made into a movie starring Annette Bening and um, what's his name from Billy Elliot? Uh, Jamie... Bell. Jamie Bell. Yes. Um, so the film alleges that their relationship began when she was 54 and he was 26 um, in 1979. And she had uh, she had, had breast cancer in 1974, 75, um, and had uh, beaten it and gone into remission, but she never, like, did the chemo or something to keep up with it, and so it came back, like, much worse later, and... Uh, she rekindled her relationship with him when she got sick again and asked to, like, basically, like, convalesce with at his parents' house in Liverpool. That's so weird. Right, because she, like, I don't know, she thought that they were, like, charming and not Hollywood. She was, like, probably older than his parents. Yeah. So eventually, like, he was, you know, finally found out, like, the extent of her illness um and like tried to get her to go see doctors because she 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 was just like the whole time like i'm gonna be fine like didn't want to get any treatment or anything um finally got her to see a doctor in liverpool and then he he convinced her to tell her family how sick she was um but then that kind of backfired and her kids came to get her from liverpool and bring her back to new york which ended up being bad for her health and like when she arrived in New York, she immediately went to the hospital and, like, died a few hours later. On top of all of that, her performance in Oklahoma is really bad. She, okay, and this is the other thing, is that she was a discovery of a notable enemy of the podcast, Louis B. Mayer. <laughs> Wait, what's the deal with Louis B. Mayer? He, he discovered, he, you know, he's the head of MGM. He discovered her on stage and signed her to MGM. Um, but wait, why is he an enemy of the podcast? Because of the way he treated Judy Garland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so anyway. That she, was numerous episodes ago. She had um, a very low self-image, as many, you know, golden age Hollywood actresses did. Yeah. Um, and she basically stopped getting work because she had had so much surgery. I mean, you, you notice in this movie, this was kind well, of... Well, and because she married her stepson. Well, yes. <laughs> but that wasn't until... I mean, it was it was this after this movie that she stopped getting work because she'd had so much well, stuff done to so her. I read that too. And you can see in this movie that her upper lip does not move. Yeah. And it, and it changes the way that she speaks as well. And it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, but if you take a look at her filmography she still had a movie come out in 56 57 yeah and i mean they start to the gap starts to get bigger between each film you know as it goes on but it wasn't like she became an immediate pariah i think i don't yeah. know i read the same thing but when it, when you look at her work i think that's a little exaggerated yeah. but i mean it is um, true that she had like nerve damage and paralysis from undergoing too many surgeries on her lip. And yeah, uh, previous to the surgery, she said that she used to like stuff tissues up under her front lip to make it look more plump. Man, in the days before Chloe Kardashian, <laughs> right? Or not Chloe? Uh, uh, Kylie. Ky Jenner. Yeah, Kylie yeah, Jenner. Yeah, not a Kardashian. Yeah. 
one of them. Yeah. What are you going to do? And they said that stuff, act- actors stuff found up your lips. A- actors found out about it during the kissing scenes. <laughs> That's, That's they, so gross. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hate on her too much, but it's hard she not to. She has a really tragic story. And I think I just I be really can't stand her in this movie. Like, yeah. I don't understand why they kept her in it. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a strange casting choice to begin with because she was always kind of this. It was like, like a stunt cast. Yeah, she her her um, she was known in Hollywood for doing lots of like film noir and being like the broken, sexy seductress. You know. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch more on on you know just why I don't like her in this movie when we get to her scenes. Yeah. But, why don't we go ahead and start with um, a recap? Absolutely. So we begin um, with this is something new that we haven't seen before. Oh yeah, the yeah the the start and the end and the intermission are very uneventful. Yes, it's just a title card that says overture for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the reason they did that was because the version that we're watching, uh, which was on Disney Plus, by the way. That version is, um, they filmed two versions at the same time. One was widescreen and one was uh, 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. And for the widescreen one, it, it they were using this process to like convert it to 70 millimeter film. And not every theater was going to be able to show that kind of film. So that's why they filmed two different versions at the exact same time. So there's actually two different cuts of the movie with like different, slightly different shots. Yeah. Um, This version that we're watching was the original release and it was what's called a roadshow release where basically because the movie really does resemble the stage musical so much, they would screen it um, in more, they would screen it in theaters as though you were going to watch a live musical yeah so they would do like two screenings a day you had to get your tickets in advance you had reserved seating okay um they did have an actual intermission Mm -hmm. you know uh that's longer than the one that's um on disney plus but otherwise that's why they do it that way yeah kind of neat yeah i mean and then you're just like you're focusing on the music at the beginning yeah um it says I didn't I didn't look into this because I figured that you would what what Todd AO is. That's that filming process oh, where they okay. I, I want to say, and I don't know the you know I've never filmed anything so I don't really know the intricacies of all of this. But yeah. that was like the conversion to widescreen yeah. process they were using. It's so funny how many of these musicals. I mean, how many like new different technologies were coming out at this time. Yeah. You know? Um, the remastering on it, by the way, I think is really, really good. The colors are super vibrant. Yeah. Really nice. But yeah, Curly comes in riding his horse blue, singing, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning, mm-hmm. which is a classic. And there's this shot, and they do this a lot in this movie, like these moving, these kind of moving shots. I don't know if they were done on like a crane or something, but like the the camera coming through the, the stalks of corn and stuff. Yeah. Um which was a cool cinematic feature. Um, but he arrives at the house and continues singing his song to Aunt Eller. Yeah, Aunt Eller is the aunt of Lori Williams, who is the um, primary love interest, our, our lead female, 
played by Shirley Jones. In her intro- introductory role. Um, yeah, this was her first movie. Uh-huh. Um, she has a really interesting backstory. By the way, Shirley Jones, I think, like, she hasn't, I mean, she's still alive, but yeah. she hasn't been um, active in the industry in a long time. If you but don't know, I remember her from the Partridge family. Yeah, most people would know her from which the Which I saw on family. Nick at Night, probably. Yeah, totally. But yeah, she's the mom um, on the Partridge family. Uh-huh. Uh, and this was her first film role. Uh, one thing that's really notable about her stage career is she was the only actress to ever actually go under contract with Rodgers and Hammerstein. Interesting. She went to an open casting call with, I can't remember his name, but he was the casting director for a lot of their productions. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was so impressed with her at that audition that he ran across the street to get Oscar Hammerstein uh, who was in uh, orchestra rehearsals, uh-huh. or do I have it backwards? Is he lyrics or music? I think Rogers is music. Okay, so well, he ran I across think. the street to get the, the music one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that one called the other one at his home. It was like, you have to get down here. Yeah. And yeah, they loved her so much that they signed a contract um, to have her act exclusively in their productions. Interesting. What yeah. other, do you know what other um, ones she did? Well, I know that she, it might take the rest of the podcast, <laughs> but before this is over, I am going to remember what it is. Okay. Anyways, so um, Shirley Jones plays Laurie. Uh, she comes outside, and her first line to Curly is pretty funny. Like, oh, I thought you were somebody. <laughs> she, yes, she's very, um, you know, she... She does the hard to get thing, you know, and they're both kind of doing it to each other, you know. Yeah. Um, and act and, you know, who else is a big flirt? Ann, Ann Eller. Eller. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she says She's that funny. She, she says that she'd marry Curly. And who wouldn't? Uh, as would I. <laughs> he is. That's one of the reasons I really liked. Another one of the reasons I really liked this. Like Curly's super cute uh-huh. and the music's really good. Yes. Yeah, Curly is very handsome. Um, so yeah, they're doing that play bickering thing with each other. And I think she says, um, or the whole reason he's there is to maybe ask her to go to the box social, maybe right. not just feeling it out. And but that's the big thing that's going on. That's what this whole movie centers Most around. Most of the movie is one day where everyone's getting ready for this big social. Mm-hmm. The box social. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, she asked him, well, even if I said yes, how would you get us there? Because it's quite a ways away. Yeah. And that's when they sing one of my other favorite songs, The Surrey with the Fringe on Top. Mm-hmm. Another fun fact about Shirley Jones is for the premiere of this movie, she went with her parents. Oh. She was 21. Mm-hmm. And they arrived in a Surrey with white fringe on top. Cute. I know. <laughs> um, so he's just telling her all about how fancy and lovely his carriage is that he's going to bring her to the social inn. Yeah, but then she, I don't know, it's like she doesn't want him to know that she's interested. Right. So she doubles down on being repulsed by him. Right. <laughs> and gets, she provokes him or he, she gets him to a point where he's like, I just made it up. Never mind. Yeah, I was there joking. is no surrey. There's no surrey. I was joking about it. Yeah. yeah. Like it was a cruel joke. That right. I played on you. And then she like flips out and 
Anyways, they just go back and forth over this Surrey issue for a long time. But it turns out that it is he, real. Yeah, he does have it. Right. It's so dumb. It's really dumb. Yeah. And um, all the while, uh, Judd Fry shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by... Oh, oh, yeah. By the way, Curly, we didn't establish. Curly is played by Gordon McRae. Okay. And Judd Fry played by um, Rod Steiger. So right before, right before Judd shows up... Um, we have a problematic line from Aunt Eller when she says... Uh, well, I mean, there's so many of those. We <laughs> why really... Don't, why don't you just grab her and kiss her when she gets to act in that way? I mean, listen, if we're, <laughs> we're we, going to be here all I day. I know, we can't, we can't touch on all of those things. <laughs> um, so, yes, we were introduced to Judd, who is this gruff farmhand. He's greasy. Yeah. He's greasy, and he has... it's not the fact that he has an accent that I find weird. It's that his accent is so unidentifiable. Mm -hmm. And like, there's, I mean, they don't talk about his past at all. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It seems really out of place. Yeah. So basically Shirley has, Shirley, uh, Lori has already committed to going to the social. Why? I don't know. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, he's, I mean, it's unpleasant. I don't see that there's a choice here, you know? Right. There's no, I mean, there's no question. Yes. You, you say yes to Curly. Yes. Curly is handsome and sweet, and Judd is... Mysterious in a bad way. And violent. <laughs> and greasy. And addicted to pornography. Yeah, and he probably <laughs> smells bad, because yes. he lives in that smokehouse. He does look like he smells bad. and You know he doesn't bathe. No. Mm. So, basically, they end this interaction with Lori's going with Judd, and... Uh, Curly so Curly's going to bring Aunt Eller. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, he is a dream. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when uh, Rose brings Grandpa to the Christmas dance. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know, this is somehow cuter. <laughs> oh, not Rose. Um, yeah, we, we know who you're talking yeah. about. That one. <laughs> that that other movie we talked about. Yes. Um, okay, so Lori goes inside to, like, freshen up or something, and Jed is spying on her from outside. Yeah, like... Outside her bedroom window. Yes. Um, and she can, like, tell that someone's watching her, but when she turns around, he's gone, but she trusts her gut. Yes. Smart. Mm -hmm. And she goes outside to investigate and sees Jed there, and, um, I guess he just, like, sort of gets her to... Yeah, like really commit to going like to the testing, dance with him. She's like testing the waters of like if she can actually pull out of this, and turns yeah, out, turns out that she can't. Like it looks like she's about to tell him. Yeah, she's canceling, but yeah, he intimidates her, which he does easily a lot. Yeah, yes. Um, so Aunt Eller, she's taken off to go down to the train station, mm-hmm. and that's when Will Parker is uh he's coming in on the train he's returning from like i guess he was doing like a rodeo kind of yeah, stint he, he at was the fair in kansas city right yeah he was at, in kansas city and he was doing some sort of uh demonstration like lasso something yeah. or other or bull riding um where he won a 50 dollar cash prize and, and he, he needs back... this money to marry addo annie right but instead, he brought presents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not the brightest guy. And he brought presents for other people. He brought 
um, Ann Eller, some he's paper lanterns. He's extremely well-intentioned, yes. but he's bad at managing his finances. Yes. And and that's why her dad has said, you can't marry this man until he has at least $50. Right. And the first thing he does with his $50 is spend it on gifts for her, you know. Right. But, yeah. But the, you know, the dad didn't say $50 or it's in equivalent in gifts. Well, okay, <laughs> sure. But, like, I don't know. You're taking the dad's side a little <laughs> No, no, much. no. I'm just explaining. I'm not, I'm not on his side. <laughs> okay. Um, but he also brought back this, like, I don't know, this, like, it's peep show kaleidoscope. Yeah, like peep show kaleidoscope thing. Well, don't you remember viewfinders? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically one of those. Right, with nudie pictures in it. Well, that's what mine had. <laughs> what was in yours? <laughs> what slides did you get? Mm -hmm. I got the Hustler package. <laughs> Jugs with two Gs. My first Hustler. <laughs> Um, no, that's a lie. I remember having Disney ones. But yeah. anyways, the thing about these spy glasses is, and I don't know if this was actually common, but um, there is a hidden knife inside yeah. the spy glass that Will doesn't seem to be aware of. Yeah. And it doesn't come up in Until this later. scene, even though they're all passing it around. Um, but... Yeah, the spyglass is very relevant later on in the movie. Yeah. It's hinted at, like, one more time before the big climactic spyglass attack. Yeah. But, um, so, <laughs> uh, in this scene where he's showing off all of his wares, yeah, he's singing Kansas City mm -hmm. about how modern the town is. Like, they've got skyscrapers seven stories high. Yeah, he's, like, bragging about, you know, he's coming back with all these stories of the big city, and it's just, you know, it's... It's yeah. exaggeration. Well, but. but I love the the lyrics. Like, they've gone about as far as they can go. Um, that's pretty funny. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, they do a dance number. Yeah, it's a big dance. Yeah. You were alarmed by how long the movie was, and I wanted to tell you, like, well, but it's it's because... It's all numbers. Dance numbers. Yeah. And I love that. It's been a long time since we had a movie that had good dance numbers in it. Yeah. I mean, they're not as good as, I don't know, say White Christmas. Right. But they're fun. And it seemed, and the, the, the dance style was a little more, like, experimental than I thought it would be. A lot of, like, tableaus and, you know, holding poses and that kind of well, thing. Well, you know, um, this is kind of interesting, now that you mentioned that. Uh, someone considered for the role of Will Parker. It went to Gene Norman, but uh, Bob Fosse was considered for it. Interesting. Yeah. Did he ever? Did he ever do any Bob like, Fosse acting? Yeah, he did. I couldn't tell you his uh, filmography, but he did. Yeah. I mean, he did dancing. Right. If yeah. The role called for a dancer. Right. Like the dream sequence dancers. You know, they're all Broadway. Yeah. Dancers. Um, what's the? I didn't look at this um, when I was looking at the Broadway show. If, um, if the dream dance uh, in, on Broadway was actually like if they were replaced in that fantasy sequence, I think so. Um, and I think it probably works a little bit better on Broadway because there's not there's no close ups. Right. 
I wasn't sure how I felt about that, but we should probably get, yeah. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah. Another thing that Will talking about that I didn't quite understand about, like, the this, like, round padded woman in the song. Oh, okay, so those lyrics were changed as well. Okay. And and those that's, like, one of the only examples where uh, lyrics were changed. And it was it was basically just censored a little bit for movie audiences. Yeah. But what they're trying to say is that they're at a burlesque show. Uh-huh. And this woman is extra curvy. Yeah. And she's so like um voluptuous. Be- yes. She's so voluptuous that surely she must be wearing like padded hips and a padded bust, but then she takes off all, all of her clothes. And it's all real. And yes, exactly. Okay, yes. Yeah, that's what's going on there. Um so remember Lady Gaga's padded hips at the Golden Globes? <laughs> no. They were so big that she like knocked Leonardo DiCaprio when oh, she was right. going up to the stage to and accept I, her award. I remember the look that he gave her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's one of my favorite moments in, in um, pop culture history. Was that when she won? She won the Golden Globe, right? That's yeah. when she won it. Yeah, and I think it was like for American Horror Story or something. Yes, and she like cried. Oh uh, yes. I mean, I sh- I shouldn't make fun of her for being excited about a Golden Globe. Like that's a great achievement, or is it? Father, son, and house. Because it looks like they might be buying those. <laughs> um. So we have another. So the actress who plays Aunt Eller. Is was six like sixty five years old at the time, and she can move. She's dancing. Yeah, I don't her. think wait the actor actress was sixty five. Yeah, yeah, that's she, impressive. She was born in uh, eighteen ninety. Wow, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, because this was fifty five, right? I know, but the, it's just so weird to think about how not that long ago people <laughs> just knew people born in the eighteen hundreds. Right. That the, yeah. There were people from the 1800s just walking around well, yeah, that every in, day. That in, that in 1955, someone that isn't even that old, that's 65, yeah. was born in that's 1890. Crazy. Yeah. Weird, man. Time is weird. Uh-huh. Um, there's the big some soft shoe that happens here. Yeah. Um, there's those two creepy girls yes. that are always matching and holding hands like the Shining Twins. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, I don't know, these, like, little sailor dresses are supposed to, like, signify youth. There's, like... They look quite modern. Yes. For... I think this is 1907. Yeah. Um, and that haircut, I was surprised to see. Oh, yeah, the short one, the short-haired one. I know. I, I don't know if it's because they were supposed to be, like, younger or something. I, I it was know. a bit... Yeah, that that seemed crazy to me. But, yeah. I wonder if that's... What's it called? An anachronism? Mm-hmm. The hair, I think, get probably the timing was. wrong. Yeah, yeah. But the dresses, you know, I think I remember like when we did, when I was in like Music Man and stuff, which I think took place in like 1911 or something like that. I remember which Shirley Jones is also in. Oh, is she? Isn't she? Is she in? Oh, is she Marion in the movie? I haven't seen it. It's been forever, so I don't remember. She's in Carousel. But um. But That's I rem- one. But I remember that the kids' costumes when I was in that did have, like, it was, like, the drop-waist sailor thing that's happening here with these girls. All I know is that Samantha, the American Girl doll, wore a very similar dress. Uh-huh. And she was, like, 19, she, 10 yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remembered one, Carousel. Carousel. She's in that one. But uh-huh. there's more. Yes. I mean, there must be if she had a contract. 
Um, so yeah, they do this whole like soft shoe number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's jump. Let's jump ahead. Yeah, Will, but he does. Will and the girls jump onto the train. They like jump off to the train into these guys' arms, and then he like jumps onto his horse from the train. Yeah, cool. that was actually a famous stunt actor who did a lot of like riding and rodeo stuff. Named mm-hmm. uh, his name was Ben Jones. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was a real cowboy. Um, And so now, Lori is skinny dipping. She's bathing. Uh Uh-huh. When Ali, they call him Ali Hackam. Hackam. Mm -hmm. He's uh, a peddler. A Persian He's supposed to be Persian. Uh, It's not the best casting. Yeah. Um, I, that, you know, they didn't put him in brown face, so, so that's, <laughs> that's that. Um, yeah, but it's, it, that's another, un, it, it's an unfortunate casting, um, call. Yeah. But, uh, he is riding by in his fancy goods wagon mm-hmm. with Addo Annie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we talked about how Gloria Graham is complicated, mm-hmm. um, in, in the movie, Addo Annie is, I wouldn't say complicated, but she's in a little love triangle, essentially, Yeah. with Ali. She doesn't want to have to choose. She wants it all, you know? Right. I. You're right. It's not even really a love triangle. It's more just like, there's two now. It could be three tomorrow. It right. could be... You know, she can't, many, she can't say no. She she is having fun. <laughs> and on that note, get it. Right. Girl, good for you. Yeah. And it's not really, there's not as much judgment from the movie. Like, I don't get the message of. Um, you don't see, it doesn't make her see. There's no moral, you know, story. No. With Adoady. Like, she doesn't get in trouble. No, no like, um, terrible things befall her because she slept with too many guys. Right. And, I mean, at the end, like, uh, Will sees her. Well, we'll get there. It, yeah. It all works out, essentially. Yeah. Like, there is no moral But she's still no kissing people message. then. You know, it's everything's fine. Right. So, like, <laughs> in that sense, the movie is kind of... I mean, it is a song about a girl saying, I can't say no. Yeah. But, like, they don't treat it as purely a negative thing. It's more just, like... Listen, you got to pick one. Right. Like, you can't do this forever. So to provide some context, basically, uh, Adoani has a history with Will, who's just come back. But in the meantime, she struck up this sort of relationship with this peddler, Allie. Yes, exactly. And you can tell that he is just having a good time. You know, he's definitely not interested in committing to her in any way. But at the time, she's not really either. Right. It's only uh, pressures from her dad. And right. I mean, there are still, you know, it's 1907. There's still some societal pressure there. Right. I mean, the dad would be okay with it as long as she was engaged to... Whoever. Right, like, as long as, like, the guy has money, mm-hmm. he doesn't really seem to care. Right. You know, he just wants her provided for. But she um, she is, all that aside, she is presented as a very ditzy character. Right. Um, so, you know, complicated feelings about her. The current stage production of Oklahoma, it's one of my favorite cast recordings. They're on tour and they're coming to Nashville soon and I cannot wait to see them. Let's go. Um, yeah, we should. Allie Stroker 
plays Ioanni on stage, and her interpretation of this character is amazing. And she just, like, brings a lot more agency to the character, yeah. I think. Um, the whole the whole production, like, they maintain the entire story and the script and everything. It's just the way they do it, it makes everything a bit more modern. Yeah. Um, and a bit more serious, you know? Yeah. It's not quite as silly. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of a shock in the movie because of the campiness of certain parts when you when there are like those really like dark serious moments it's a little bit of a shock to the system you know yeah i i agree i mean it's it's like a serious some of the the story is very serious but there's still like this i don't know we're still at a point in time where movie musicals were much more i think about production right than they were about necessarily the story yeah if that makes sense like it was more about putting on a show rather than telling a story but if you did tell a good story at the same time great yeah and this is another one when i was doing research about the stage show i feel like we've seen this claim in a bunch of these but it was like oklahoma was revolutionary because the songs led were you know led by the story and you know that kind of thing it's like i don't know a lot of musicals seem to make that claim around this time. Yeah, that's true. But um, I, th- I think that uh, basically that is just saying that this was the time in history when that kind of shift was happening in general. Or I think it's also possible, because remember how last time we were talking about um, how <laughs> with Meet Me in St. Louis, that year at the Academy Awards, there were like 14 nominees mm-hmm. for Best Song or something. Yeah. So maybe it's that, like, all of these musicals where the plot does move forward in the songs, like, maybe there's a reason why those are the ones that we still talk about yeah. and watch today. Those are the ones that rose to the top. The, yeah, it could be that the vast majority of them were trash. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. And more about spectacle and that kind of thing than story. Can I just say one very brief rant? Okay. It's about Marvel, <laughs> but it's relevant. Okay. Okay. So they recently did a show called Hawkeye, uh-huh. and it's about the lamest Avenger. His name is Hawkeye. All he does is shoot arrows. He's so boring. It's, I can't stand is him. Is he the one that's, that's Jeremy Renner? Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's like even worse. He's yeah. played by Jeremy Renner. Uh-huh. Okay. So, uh, they got me to watch the show because in the promotions they show an Avengers musical. Like he's Hawkeye, the character is in New York and he takes his family to see the Avengers musical. It's called uh-huh. like Rogers the musical. Yeah. For Steve Rogers. And I was like, oh my God, worlds collide. I have to watch this. Uh huh. The song that they do is so bad. And it's like you can tell that it's supposed to be bad, but it's so bad that it's not even funny yeah. bad. It's just really, really bad. Right. And it was such a huge disappointment. That's that's basically it. I'm sorry. They had the guy from Rent, though, in it. Uh, Roger. Uh-huh. So it's like, you know, there are lots of little in-jokes. Right. But that made it even more disappointing. Right. It just... It made me... Yeah. They're trying to play to a theater audience, but aren't... It's just there was so much potential successful. for it to be... Something I was going to like. Right. Musicals and, and Marvel. I didn't like it. <laughs> Do better. <laughs> Musicals and Marvel um, uniting. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So uh, moving along, Ali and uh, 
uh, Annie. <laughs> Adam Annie. Uh-huh. They were on their way to Aunt Eller's because he was going to peddle some of his wares. Yeah, some... His fancy goods. Undergarments. He somehow convinces Lori to purchase something called the Elixir of Egypt. Yes. Um, and that's going to help her figure out what it is that she really wants yeah. in life. And it's just some sort of smelling salts or something, but obviously there's some sort of uh, psychedelic quality to whatever these are. I figured it was like, <laughs> I don't know. Did she sniff it or drink it? She's, I think she sniffed it. I always thought it was opium. Yeah, probably. Anyways, so, uh, but but she she does that later. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives um, Aunt Eller a garter. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of, is this like a snake oil kind of a situation? Probably. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, they're trying to portray him as kind of like a, I don't know, there are some uncomfortable stereotypes, but I'll be honest, like, I'm not even sure, like, who they're trying to stereotype, other than just, like, Middle East. Yeah foreigner i think is what they're going for yes absolutely even though like his accent is an it's another confusing accent yeah like persia was i i don't yeah i don't know. and but also like, like annie is like very impressed with him being a peddler i don't know he seems to have right like, there's no really ju- I get, yeah they don't really cast any judgment on him being a peddler no. it, but it's then again, Lori does a little bit. She's like, he can't be trusted. Right. But he does seem to have, like, the most money of any of them. Oh, yeah. No, he does seem pretty wealthy. Yeah. That's true. Um, so to backtrack a little bit, uh, uh, we kind of skipped over Annie singing I Can't Sing Yeah, because we, we talked about Gloria a lot earlier. But, yeah, so my whole issue with this number, like, <sighs> Gloria was not a singer Yes. And in this song, it's clear that they're not really going for they're leaning, very good vocals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're leaning into her being a bad singer. Exactly. Is that something that hasn't been... Is that Was that uh, something that happened in later productions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I was saying, like, Ali Stroker, she's very... Like, her vocals are incredible. Oh, okay. It's extremely strong. Um, and that's... You know, one of the reasons why I just didn't understand, like, why were they so adamant about casting this person? Yeah. Because she doesn't have any musical talent. Right. And there's a rumor that even for that song, where her voice isn't supposed to be good, the character's voice isn't, because like you said, they're leaning into it. Yeah. Rumor has it that they had to, like, piecemeal, like, take word for word out of different recordings because yeah. she couldn't sing it straight through in any acceptable way. Oof. Yeah. I, I mean, also... I don't know if that's true, but it's just like her, she's not, her face isn't animated in it because it's like paralyzed right. from all the surgery that she's had. Right. Her singing is bad. So she really just stands there and there's one point where like, she's not making eye contact with anybody and she just looks a little dead. Yeah. I just, ugh, it's. A, I find this this song really unfortunate. Like I used to think Russell Crowe had the <laughs> record for like worst stage to film portrayal, right. but I gotta give it to Gloria. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, it was also uh, rumored that she was kind of a pain to have on set. 
Yeah, but uh, her estate will tell you that it was the other actors that were mean to her because she wasn't very good. Oh. Like, well, maybe. What I read was that she was like... Uh, that she she was like attempting to like steal scenes and like overact you know above people and like it was yeah. annoying to basically everyone else in the production. Yeah, she wasn't very popular. Yeah, we know that much. Poor Gloria. Okay, so where uh, where I think you were saying you were just about to get to Will yeah. arrives. Yeah. Uh Will comes back. Um, he he has presents and he's trying to basically. Make up for lost time and woo back Annie. Um, and this is when they do a little can't say no reprise. Right, yeah. Um, and then the caravan of people on their way to this Goodmores shows up. Yes, everyone's showing up to like get ready for the. Well, it's like they're. So they live a little further out. So this is like a rest stop, yeah. basically, because mm-hmm. it takes them a while to. Um, you know, get to wherever it is the Skidmores live. Totally, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of like, they make a stop to basically, like, freshen up before they go to the social. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girls are getting ready inside. And Curly has arrived with the caravan. Yes. With <clears throat> Gertie. With, and she has a laugh. <laughs> she has a laugh. <laughs> um, it's a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's very obnoxious, and you can't not hear it yes it's very loud mm-hmm. um <laughs> can you can you do a gertie i don't even remember what it sounds like it's like <laughs> <laughs> so um yes anyways uh after after curly and gertie arrive uh there's like an exchange of words i think briefly between laurie and and gertie mm-hmm. and uh then laurie heads inside she overhears all the other girls talking about how curly showed up with gertie right. and scandalous and and so now i mean it's established that she is trying to convince herself or i don't know she's playing hard to get and this song's all about how she doesn't need curly well, yeah, because there's plenty of fish in the sea, right. and she doesn't cry over old boyfriends. Yeah, so this song is called Many a New Day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's with her and the, the girls' chorus. Yes. Um, and there's a little bit of ballet mm-hmm. in the number. Um, and then outside, we have Annie, who is breaking the news to Allie that she's going to marry Will Parker. Mm-hmm. He's fine with it. And that's when um, Annie's pa... Just, like, comes out of nowhere, like, from the middle of the cornfield shooting his gun. Yes. Um, Yeah, yeah. He talks to, talks, uh, talks to Will, talks to her, begrudgingly agrees to let them get married until he or she mentions that the $50 went to the gifts. Right. Um, So, now... Annie's only concern is going to tell Allie, like, maybe we can get married. Right. Um, She's but, like, fine, I yeah. got another one. Right. I mean, and he, she wanted, she wanted Allie to be upset about her wanting Will, but he wasn't. So um, her dad thinks that his, like, sweet talk is a proposal or something. And Allie is like, didn't intend it to be that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Allie is more or less like strong armed yes. into accepting the arrangement. Mm-hmm. So then um, 
uh, back at the house. Lori goes outside to say hi to Gertie and Curly. They're in the peach orchard. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Gertie, like, she starts in with that terrible laugh. Yes. And Lori just, like, starts throwing swings. Yeah. It comes to blows pretty throwing quickly. Throwing punches. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Swinging punches, throwing swings. <laughs> she yeah she cannot stand her so she just starts beating her up yes um aunt eller splits them up and then gertie just like saunters off talking about um her big hamper yes she leaves in a huff um, i've got the biggest hamper and now curly is again being being inquisitive about who is going to take Lori to the social um, yeah, it's just more, go with me. No, I can't. I'm going with Judd. It's more back and forth. then they sing, yeah. people will say we're in love. Which is My really favorite. cute. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, that song is where it's, again, more just saying the exact opposite of what they actually want. Right. If, like, if we do this, we can't do, we can't do these things. It's all the things they want to do that they're yeah. saying that they can't do because people exactly. will say they're in love. The whole song is basically the Lady Doth protest too much. It's so romantic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He tries to get her to go one more time. And then uh, she says, no, I think for the last time I'm going with Judd. And he's like, fine, I'm going to go down to the smokehouse and figure it out. What What is it about this Judd that's, you know, so good yes. anyway? Uh, yeah. So and the smokehouse is on their property. I guess Judd works for Aunt Eller. I right. Guess. Yeah. Um, so he has like more like nudie pictures on his wall. Um Oh, yeah. he sa- he says about that because I think Curly comments on that, and he's it's weird. He says that ain't nothing to what I could show you. Yeah, it's like it's just... listen, there's nothing wrong with pornography. I mean, most of the t- sometimes in private, whatever. Just don't put it on your wall. Yeah, like that's a weird thing to do. Right, unless you're like I don't know, eighteen, and it's your first. I don't know. Whatever. Even still, yeah, like it's gross. Where is your mother? Yes. <sighs> gross i'm surprised aunt eller let him get away with that and the it seemed though aunt eller was kind of into it at the train station oh yeah she was very amused by the (laughs) by the peep show kaleidoscope i like that aunt eller she's funny Uh uh-huh um and it seems like they're they're kind of like being fake with fake nice with each other until it kind of reaches a boiling point well he just like curly This is kind of a weird moment. Curly, um, it's like he escalates the joke way too fast. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's looking at a rope and then he's like... You can hang yourself with this rope. (laughs) You know what you could do with this? (laughs) Kill yourself. Right. But but he presents it in this way of like, uh, you know what? Your funeral is going to be amazing. (laughs) Everyone is going to be there. It's going to have everyone. It's going to have the best flowers. Yes. All the ladies are going to be crying over you. And this song is called Poor, Poor Judd, Judd is Dead. Dade. Dade. <laughs> and he even gets Judd to start fantasizing about yeah. his... I mean, it's almost... It, you know, it reminds me of um, Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer. Yeah, it was Tom Sawyer, not Huckleberry Finn. Uh-huh. Um, but... Yeah, darker and more sinister. The self-indulgence of wanting to see your own funeral. Right. Um, Right, right, right. But I don't know. Is it also trying to suggest that, like, Judd is so dumb that he doesn't, like, 
understand exactly what Curly is suggesting. Kind of. I think so. I mean, like, I feel like by the end of this, by the end of this exchange, it's clear that, I mean, he pulls a gun on him. I think it's he he I think by the end he understands what what Curly's been doing this whole time, you know. Yeah. Um but There's the train. There's that train. Oh, I love that train. Um also like it's funny to <laughs> Will Parker's coming. <laughs> Will Parker's back from the fair. He's brought me some pornography. From Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> um it is funny to me that like all of the like a lot of these songs um are like intentionally mis misspelled in the names of them well, what's an example poor judd like when i looked at the song list poor De- poor judd is dead is spelled p o r e judd is is it really dade d a i d i've never noticed that and then I'm just a girl who can't say no is C-A-I. Oh, wow, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. looking at it. I've never, ever noticed that. That's so funny. Yeah. But, you know, well, this is... <laughs> I don't I don't know if I should get into this. We'll cut it if it's too much. But I, I've I thought about this once before, about how spelling has evolved, you know, throughout our culture. Yeah. And how... Um, I'm not saying that spelling is elitist. It's not. I think it's, like, good to know how to spell words. Right. But I guess, like, back in the day, as long as you could just convey what you were trying to communicate, like, it didn't really matter. Totally. Right? Like, it didn't yeah. matter how the word was spelled. Right. And but I, I, like, and I, I think <laughs> I, something else that's interesting about linguistics, and I don't know if this is true, but I think it is, I heard that the reason why some of our words uh, have fewer vowels than the British version, like color, yeah. you know, for example, they do an O-U, we do O-R, yeah. is because um, in the early days of printing, it would cost that much more to have an extra vowel in there or any extra letter. So they just like So they took out the letters. redundant ones. Yeah. But then it's like, I don't know. You could have done that with a lot of words. <laughs> in the English, like in American English, there's a lot of redundancy. And there's a similar issue. Um, you know how, like, things are called ye old blah, blah, blah? Yeah. So back when, like, printing was just starting, there was a, a Y-looking symbol that was pronounced like TH mm. to, like, save printing oh okay uh save money on printing so it's not ye it would have been back back then it would have been pronounced the like the i never knew that Mm -hmm. oh it changes everything about shakespeare i know (laughs) (laughs) i mean i guess not in the context of ye as like you (laughs) right but anyways in the but anyway so they're so they're like this is kind of escalating until judge says he kind of picks up on it and he says, maybe you go first. Right. Like about- yeah. Maybe. Because, yeah. Curly says, I hope I get to see your amazing funeral. Yeah. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll go first. Um, and Judd fires his gun in the air yes. in some sort of, like, act of intimidation. So all of the, the caravan people that have showed up and Aunt Ella run down to find out what's going on. Yeah. He shoots his gun, too, right? Uh, at the wall. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Judd started it. Yes, exactly. And um, they tell Ann Eller that they were, like, doing target practice at the knot holes in the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they split up. Um, 
But as Curly is leaving, I think Judd yells out, and probably in a way to make sure that Lori can hear too, Mm -hmm. that if Lori changes her mind, they're all going to be in trouble or something. It's a threat. You know, about going to the dance. Right. Um, So, yeah, his. It's starting to become clear that, like, this isn't just like a fun. (laughs) Right. her, Her thing with Judd isn't just like a fun love triangle like this is no he's like obsessed with her right like in a you know scary stalker kind of way right and it's obvious that Allie Hackam I always want to say Hakeem but I guess it's Hackam Mm -hmm. or is that just like how they say it if it's like if they're like saying it wrong yeah yeah Allie shows up to pedal some more of his fancy wares (laughs) uh, because he's got pinups and postcards with naked ladies on them like Uh like you get at Las Vegas or wherever. Yeah, he's helps there to sell more. <laughs> yeah, more porn to Judd, who obviously needs more porn. But Judd is only interested in two things: a real woman, <laughs> and also something very sharp that can kill Curly. He, in fact, mentions to Allie, "Have you heard of these spy glasses?" Yeah. That have knives hidden in them, so that when the guy is looking at the naked lady. You can flip it open and the blade falls down and stabs him in the throat. Well, I, I don't understand. It's a thing. I, I it's a understand. thing. That's what my viewfinder had. <laughs> I just, like, why does this exist in the first place? I don't know. I am also very curious if this actually existed. Yeah. It's very odd. It's like, um, I don't know, how big a deal were booby traps? Right. <laughs> So to speak, booby I mean, traps. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the joke. But yeah, Judd said he's tired of just pictures. He wants the real thing. Yeah. Okay. Gross. So Lori is resting after everyone else has taken off, mm-hmm. uh, and she drinks her elixir of Egypt, and we go into like a twenty-minute dream sequence. Yes. Where and it's cool. I mean, it's a dance. A dance number. Yeah. Um, With some ballet, you know, other Again, the dancing is not, it's not the finest choreography Mm -hmm. I've ever seen, but I appreciate that it's in there. And they are good. I mean, it is good. It's good. It's just not my my favorite favorite. Yeah. I mean, they're they're acting out this. um... Well, essentially, like, to cut a long story short, she marries Curly. Right. But then Judd kills him. Judd shows it's fantasy Lori and Curly, but then real Judd shows up. Yeah, so Dream Curly was played by dancer James Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Dream Lori is Bambi Lynn, mm-hmm. and then Rod Steiger or Steiger, I think it's Steiger, but anyways, he did his own dream sequence, uh, essentially because they couldn't find anybody that really had his build. Yeah, like looked as intimidating as him. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Also, again, I'm not sure about the decision to have different actors for the dream sequence. I mean, I I get it that... Like if that had been established on Broadway already or if it was a decision that they made for the movie. Well, but even even if it is already on Broadway, it would be very hard for the audience to tell. Right. Um, especially if they're using such close lookalikes. Yeah. But in this, you know, when when you've got those close-ups... Now, I do wonder if they did the close-ups on purpose to show the film audience 
these actors. Like yeah. maybe it was a, a way to include cameos from Broadway dancers. And they did, you know, they made that transition. It seemed clear what was happening. Like Lori sees like the dream version of, of herself and like goes to her and then they like switch. I know, but it's just kind of creepy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it reminds me of the movie Us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. I felt like it would have... Um, like, if the movie were made today, they would probably use the same actor. Uh, yeah. If actor at least was... I, I, That's also demanding, yeah. you know? These aren't... I mean, yeah. I'm assuming that Shirley Jones and Gordon McRae didn't aren't, have that chore- choreography training. Right. They probably couldn't do, like, ballet and stuff, you know? Yeah. Ballet is a little different from... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically... They in the dream sequence, she and Curly get married, and then Joe, Ju, excuse me, Judd comes and like steals her away, basically. Yeah, brings her to a trashy saloon with saloon girls. Right. Um. And then uh, there's a tornado, and Judd kills Curly, yes. and she uh she wakes up from the dream sequence to find that real Judd is standing over her, just watching her sleep. Yeah. Very creepy. And says it's time to get ready. And then that's the end of first act. Intermission. Yes. So something kind of neat that they do during the current uh, Broadway production and touring production is they serve cornbread and chili at intermission. Cute. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of like meant to be somewhat immersive theater. Mm-hmm. Um, which normally I'm not into. <laughs> but I like cornbread and chili. Yeah. Yum. I wonder if it's any good. Where do they get it from? I don't know. Do they have, like, a person touring with them that makes the cornbread and chili? Probably. They I'm, have it in crockpots. I'm sure that they wouldn't, like, leave it up to whatever whatever. They have menu. it in crockpots that are, like, set out at the beginning, so the whole time you can smell it. That sounds a little gross to me. <laughs> It's a crock pot. <laughs> Do you understand how you make chili, right? I know, I know, but I feel like it would be weird to, like... All day chili is the best a, chili. Be at a Broadway show and be smelling chili the whole time. I don't know. If it's good chili, then I'd be like, yeah, give me some of that chili. And then is everyone gassy, you know? Maybe they don't put beans in it. <laughs> I, there's a lot of controversy over whether or not chili should have beans in it. Yeah. People will tell you the original chili recipes had no beans. I think it should have beans. I enjoy beans in my yeah, chili. absolutely. And President Barack Obama has a chili <laughs> recipe, and his recipe includes beans. Because you know Michelle's not going to let him get away without having vegetables in there. If it's good enough for the Obamas, it's good enough for me. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing has ever been truer. <laughs> so so after intermission and chili, um, they, everyone is basically... They get to the skid... Or they're leaving for the skidmores. Yes. Everyone is taking their series <laughs> to the social. <laughs> they're taking the series. But Judd is like purposefully going real slow, driving yes. Lori so he can hang back and like make a move on her. Yes. She's not into it, obviously. He's like reminiscing about when she was nice to him when he, he was sick. I was like, duh, you were sick. I but know. Whatever. Like she was just being a decent human being. Right. Um, so he, yeah, he like tries to kiss her and she pushes him off and then, um, she, she takes the reins and tries to get the horses to speed up. Yeah, she gets freaked out. I mean, 
I mean, I kind of read that as like, I think she was just trying to catch up with the rest of the group so that right. she wasn't like separate and alone with him. Yeah. Um, but the horses just like, you know, they get scared and they take off and they lose control until they run into a train and the horses get scared and, and slow just stop. down. Yeah. yeah. So he hops down to comfort the horses, make sure they're okay. And grab the reins that had fallen off of the... Right. Yeah. And before he can get back on the carriage, she pushes him down and takes off. Yes. Good move. Uh-huh. Good move, Lori. Yes. Oh, Lori. She's She can she's take smart. care of herself. I know. She's pretty, she's pretty cool. Uh-huh. I like her. Resourceful. So at the box social... Um, They're doing a see. dance. Yeah. They're doing a dance to the farmer and the cowman. Who does, which doesn't really have any story significance. It's just the song that they're singing at the social. Sure. And I guess we sort of learn about how there's tension between... The cowboys and the farmer. Yeah. Yes. Which I don't think is very well established up until this point. No. But it does... I think it, it's somewhat historically accurate that sure. people were fighting over territory, right. essentially. Whether you're going to use the land for cattle or farming right yeah so skidmore is trying to get everybody um well okay so first a fight breaks out right yeah and is it is it between the cowboys and the farmers yeah okay yeah it's a brawl but got um eller breaks it up with a gunshot into the air did you notice that like while they're fighting those creepy girls are like still singing no (laughs) they're like still singing together in the background they're the only ones the little little sailor twins (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah aunt eller breaks it up and then she like holds them at gunpoint until they agree to start singing together again (laughs) sing the song and um yeah curly i think at this point curly's probably been there but at this point we see curly and he's noting that you know we're about to all be in a new state uh-huh. And uh, we gotta we gotta take care of each other. Yeah. When that happens, mm-hmm. the farmers, the ranchers, and the merchants. He doesn't exclude Ollie. Um. So Mr. Skidmore at that point comes out and announces it's time for the hamper auction. Yes. Um. And Curly remarks that Lori's not there yet. He notices that she hasn't arrived. Um. And then she does show up smiling. Yeah, conveniently. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rules of the basket auction are are thus: uh, whoever made each basket is supposed to be a secret, uh-huh. and all the proceeds are going to finishing the construction of the school. Mm-hmm. And um, whoever made the basket goes out on a little picnic date with the winner of the basket. You're familiar with these rules if you've ever watched Gilmore Girl. <laughs> right. Um, this is also parodied on Schmigadoon. Uh-huh. Um, which I still have only seen a couple episodes of. Yeah, same. It's fun. Yeah. I, I like Cecily Strong. Um, SNL. We love her. And then I noticed that um, Will kind of confronts Allie about Annie and, like, grabs his ass to, like... <laughs> I didn't didn't notice that. I did not notice that. But anyway. Um, But essentially, yeah, Will asks what's going on. I guess throughout this whole exchange, Allie is sort of conceiving a way to get himself out of the arrangement and get Will back with 
basically get Will to take Annie off of his hands. So basically he convinces Will that it was his idea to buy, for Allie to buy the um, Annie's gifts off of him to make that $50 back. Right, and he's offering him like two, three times the actual, you know, value of the goods. Right. Like buys a corset for like way more, I mean, yeah, for like $13 or something, which would have been a crazy amount for that at the time. Right. And during the exchange, he tries to sell Allie the spyglass. And I think that's when, I don't know, to me, that's when it's really clear that he honestly has no idea. Right. That there's a knife inside, but then Judd walks up, or no, or is that, yeah, is that when Judd walks up and buys it? Or is um, that later? Yes, Judd, Judd, yes, Judd comes back and he has bought the porn kaleidoscope knife. Right. <laughs> Which is what I called it for the duration of my notes at this point. To be clear, it's not a kaleidoscope, but it looks like right. It's not a kaleidoscope. It's just like a like 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 you said. It's like a viewfinder. It uses the the natural light from the room to illuminate the picture from behind. Oh, is that how they work? Isn't it? There's not like light in it. I'm asking. <laughs> I thought you. Were, I thought you were saying I was being an asshole. No. People think that all the time when I ask genuine questions. They think that I'm being a bitch. Like, no, there's not like... Oh, really, Alex? <laughs> Is that what they do? <laughs> no, I really meant that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, the, there's no light source from in it, and you're lighting it from behind from using the like whatever natural light is in... Dark. I never tried to use it in a dark room, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Um, okay, so he... Judd is back. He bought the thing. Um, and now we're back at the auction, and it's time for Annie's basket, right? The last two. Yeah. Annie's and um, Laurie's, and Annie spills the beans. You know, it's very clear who the baskets belong to. Right. But you could have figured it out through process of elimination. But Will is, again really stupid and tries to spend the $50 he just got back. It's a little the... unbelievable. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> and then, yeah, Ali yeah. once again realizes he's got to step in. But also the dad is trying to, uh, yeah, strong arm in yes. into bidding. I'm sure that he would rather that Annie was with Ali because he's got more money. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's got a lot of money because he just... Gave all of that money. Well, at this point, he spent $101. (laughs) To not marry Annie. Yeah. (laughs) Significant sum of money at the time. Yeah, so basically... um, Right, because he bids $51. Yeah. Yeah. Will tries to spend his $50... The entire 50. ...on getting her basket, but then Eller's like, she doesn't get this money, it goes to the schoolhouse. (laughs) (laughs) So Allie has to spend $51 to... Make sure that Will can keep his $50. Right. And still spend it on Annie. But anyways. Yes. Um, So now the only basket left is Laurie's. And uh, there's a bunch of bidders, but Judd makes it clear that he's not going to back down. Yeah. Um, And just when it looks like that he's going to win, Curly... So early in the auction, Curly walks away. Right. And it's not really clear what he's doing. And there's an indication that he's just like over it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but in fact, what he's gone to do is retrieve his horse and the saddle, yes. um, because he needs to sell off of his belongings so he can have enough money to bid on Laurie's hamper. Right. 
So um, Judd makes a bid of $6, and Curly sells his saddle for... It's obvious that everyone that's here wants Curly to win. Yeah. So they're like, I'll give you this for it, blah, blah, blah. Um, so he sells the saddle for $10, and then Judd ups him again. Um, and then Curly sells his horse mm-hmm. for $25. So now the bid is up to 35 I guess. Oh, blue. Yeah. Um, and then Judd puts down his life savings. Yeah, of $43. Yes. Which also goes to show you just how rich Ali is. Yeah. If that's Judd's life savings. Yeah. Um, and uh, Curly, I think at that point, he sells his gun. He sells his gun, yeah. And that gets him up to $53, and $10 over what Judd's got. Judd doesn't have any more money. And Ann Eller doesn't even do a going, going, gone. She says sold immediately. Yes, um, Judd is now big time mad, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> right after the auction ends, he's like, "Hey, hey, Curly, come over here. I want to show you something." Yeah, <laughs> which is the um, death spyglass. Yes, <laughs> the the booby trap, the, the porn kaleidoscope <laughs> knife. Um, uh, but Ali notices what's happening because he, gets- he had he had spotted. When Will, I guess, sells it to Judd, he sort of saw over Judd's shoulder and saw him, like, fiddling with it. So yeah. he kind of knew there was a secret knife in there, I think. Yeah. And he um, tells Aunt Eller, who then runs over and says, Curly, I, I need you over here. Yes. Shuts it down. Uh-huh. She um, stops the scheme. And everybody gets back to dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Annie and Will run off to sing All or Nothing. Right. So essentially he's telling her you can't have fun anymore in the sense of like you can't like sleep around. Yeah. No more, um, no more kissing other no boys. No running around yes. on me. But also like girls are going to flirt with me because I'm like a cool rancher. And, and guess, you just have to understand that. Guess who shows up to dance with them? <laughs> oh, Right. Those girls. Yes. <laughs> Those little shining twins. I said, LOL. They're these... always lurking. I said, LOL, these dancing youths are back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then They're always there. And then they kind of like fall into the pen in like a sexy way. But also I, I like, um, I really like Annie's sort of retort back at him. She's like, you know what? That's fine. You stay out as late as you want. Just don't wait up for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so now Judd confronts Lori. Lori is alone for some reason, and Judd confronts her. And why aren't women chaperoned right? more often? And yeah, he, he corners her and grabs and, her. Yeah, and then she, I guess, fires him and tells him to you know keep away and uh-huh. he just says he says, she, he, he says he you'll never as, get rid of me he, right and he accuses her of just being a snob like yeah. thinking that she's too good for him right because he's the farmhand classic nice guy stuff yes right Ugh, so gross but yeah he does he, he straight up threatens her um and then thankfully will walks up and asks I mean, he just walks up to ask, have you seen Annie? Because, like, she's run off with some dude again. Yeah. Um, she can't be tamed. 
And she's crying and asks for Judd or for Curly, mm-hmm. oof, not Judd. Yeah. Uh, who happens to already be there? Yes. Um, they finally kiss. Yes, and she their moment. She tells him that she's afraid for her life. Um, yeah. They kiss. And Honestly, then, she should be. Yeah. They kiss, and then she's happy again. Yeah. Um. But it's like way. It's too hot for him, and he has to like push her away from him. <laughs> um. And uh, they they have a a rational conversation. Yeah. That for the first time, um, which of course ends with their engagement. Right. So the, he proposes, she says yes, they do a people will say we're in love reprise, and they kind of change the um, words around, let people say we're in love. Right. Which is cute. Meanwhile, Annie is saying goodbye mm-hmm. to Allie. They do this whole little thing about like a Persian goodbye and an Oklahoma hello. Right. Um, the takeaway from this scene for me is that... Um, She's parting ways for good with Allie in the process, having a very passionate kiss or two with him. Yes. Will actually walks up mid-kiss, and he doesn't freak out. Yeah. He's just like, is this it? Like, that's the actual goodbye? Like, yeah. Like, all right, fine. Yeah. he's. I mean, he doesn't care, really, as long as he can have a Oklahoma hello. Very modern. Yes. <laughs> very modern. Yeah. Um. We, we cut to just a brief clip of Mr. Skidmore and Carly um, et al. Uh, they're out herding cattle and Curly tells Skidmore that that's his last drive essentially cattle drive that he's going to settle down and become a farmer so to he's support switching Lori. sides, yes. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to Curly and Lori getting married uh-huh. at Aunt Eller's and Judd lurking outside being a creeper uh-huh. and then we do Oklahoma. Yeah, everyone's sending them off on their honeymoon, and it's they sing. Such a good song, Oklahoma. It's hard, and I'm having a hard time not singing it right now. Um, Gertie shows back up, and is now married to Allie, but only because he was once again threatened with a shotgun. <laughs> yes. So the song that was cut from this movie, um, it's a scandal. It's an outrage. It's like Allie and the men's chorus singing about how these days it's so easy for a woman to sort of pin you down because all it takes is her dad with a shotgun. Okay. So, I mean, it's 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 a fun song. He's got, he's got a pattern. <laughs> yeah. It's but it's fun. It's yeah. really fun. Yes. Um okay, so uh yeah. Oh, this is when <laughs> um I think it's like I guess it's it's nightfall by now. Yeah, and so... The time change is really abrupt, but basically the men decide they're going to do this thing. I think they call it a shiv- chivalry. Yeah, the, so Lori and, and Curly have gone up to a bedroom or something, and they decide... I don't know if it seems... They're getting ready to, like, go on their honeymoon, right. essentially. Right. But, like, while they're up there, the men get together and they like climb up the trellis and I don't know if they're trying to spy or what, but they're basically trying to get their attention. They go up there and be like, whoa, like, I don't know, scare them. They're like pranking them. And then the whole traditional aspect of it is now the couple has to come outside and stand on top of a haystack. Yeah. I'm not familiar with any of these traditions. And then they throw corn husk dolls to symbolize their future children. Uh huh. And then Judd walks up and initially 
because he's you know he's just being Judd. He he lights another haystack on fire yes. to distract everybody. And while they all run over to that haystack, he creeps behind the one that Lori and Curly are on and lights that one on fire. Right. And to be clear, these haystacks are very tall. Yes. They're probably like 10, 10 15 feet, feet yeah, yeah mm-hmm. off the ground. Um, so this is attempted murder. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely attempted murder. Um, they have no choice but to jump. Lori jumps first. She's fine. And then Curly, Curly jumps onto Judd. Right. And it's clear that he's purposefully jumping on to Judd, but he's not necessarily trying to kill him. No. But Judd is holding a knife. Judd is the one with the knife. Yeah. yeah. Judd's holding a knife and he falls on it. Right. Clean through the ribs, kills him. Yes. They they go inside and they're trying to figure out like if he's dead or not. He did. He did. But Lori obviously is inconsolable and Eller's comfort, comforting words to her are you got to get used to all kinds of things happening to you. <laughs> Sometimes you I, I love uh, I love Ann Eller. Yeah, she's funny. So they come in with the news that Judge, Judd is dead. Yeah. Um, and Curly says he has to turn himself in, but the sheriff or the... Is... Pretty much the whole town is there. Yeah. Like so all of the, you know, justice officials and keepers of the peace, etc., are there so Aunt Eller convinces them to just go ahead and do a trial right then and there so that Curly and Lori can go They've on their honeymoon, a train. you know, without the singing over them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and they don't even do, like, a real trial. They're right. Just, they're pretty quickly. They're like, were there witnesses? Yes. Great. Self-defense. Right. They come back with the verdict of not guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lori and Curly are getting sent off to the train for their honeymoon. Um, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. This actually, not to make another Gilmore Girls reference, but this actually kind of reminded me of, like, they're, like the whole town is very obsessed with Lori and Curly in the same way that yeah. Stars Hollow is obsessed oh, with Lori. Sure. It's like, other people got married and nobody seemed to care, but... Well, this was a much, it was a quaint time. Uh-huh. It, this they weren't even a state yet. It was a territory. Um, you're right. No one cared that Gar- Gertie got married. No. Didn't even know who she married. Nobody cared that Annie and Will got together. You know. But I mean, I don't think anybody was asking for realism with this movie. Yeah. So. But anyway, but Stars Hollow has a whole town of high school kids, and for some reason, Rory, who doesn't even go to school there, gets. Do you want uh, a show about the other ones? <laughs> Listen, I'm I I'm not in a good place with Gilmore Girls right now. Okay. I think that show is bad. It is. It's bad. I still put it on though to have something comforting in the background. And yet you don't like Love Actually, which just makes zero sense. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> okay, so so basically, and then there's a, a, a reprise, a reprise, yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I thought, oh, and we're done with the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's what over. a beautiful morning happens again. Basically. It's over. It's over. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. They ride into the distance. Okay. So, um, did you think of any recasts for this one? Not really, because I mean, I I started to think about it, and it was like I'm just gonna use all the same people that I know honestly I'm running out of inspiration same for recast because there's only a handful of actors 
that we know of that, you know, seem capable of doing these roles. But I do have one recast that I feel extremely confident about. Yes. And it is Andrew Garfield for Curly. Interesting. He's having a moment right now. Uh huh. He's proven himself to be pretty good in musicals. Oh, with from um, yeah. Tick, tick, boom, yes. which he won the Golden Globe for. Right. Even though we're not really sure uh, how much merit the Golden Globes have right now. Yes. Um, but he did win, and I mean, I haven't watched the movie. I don't know how super interested I am in the movie. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. But I've seen clips, and he's definitely. A, a good, good skin. Yeah, he's great. And I just um, don't know if he's like dreamy enough. For oh, me. he is. Okay. I think he's, yeah, I think he is. Is Jake Gyllenhaal too old? Because I feel like he'd be a good curly too. You know, how old is Jake Gyllenhaal? Because Andrew Garfield is 38. I think, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is 40. Because he, he was... looks older than Andrew Garfield though. Yeah. He just has one of those faces. Yeah. Because I guess, now he's probably like 42 because. He was 30 when he dated... Oh, God. When he dated Taylor Swift when she was 20. Shut up. Um, I, don't want, I don't want to get into and that And she was... Feud. Everyone knows she was born in 1989. I don't want to get into that. Because you know what? I'm Team Gyllenhaal. I don't care. <laughs> I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Same. I think he'd be a good Curly. And I... Yeah, I'm ambivalent at best about Taylor. Yeah, I don't think, you know, whatever. I don't care about whatever drama is happening there. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started thinking about Andrew Garfield, I thought, and I, I don't feel as strongly about this one, but I thought maybe Robert Pattinson <laughs> for Judd, because he's also creepy creepy and greasy. Mm-hmm. He's just like creepy, greasy in a handsome way. But he doesn't really have the like intimidation physically intimidating factor um, hello he's the new batman yeah i would say reserve your judgment until, until we see, we his, see new him as batman yeah okay but i can also see like someone being like sinister and sin- sinewy yeah. skinny you did know? you see i think it was called devil all the time or something it was on netflix it's like with him and tom holland oh no i didn't well he can also do a southern accent yeah. and i mean he plays like a deranged like kooky southern pastor yeah not kooky is the wrong word he is just he's really like willing to go out there yeah i feel like for whatever the role is and he's willing to get campy and i could just see him being that creepy kind of yeah. I don't I I could see it. I can see it. But Andrew Garfield is curly, I guarantee it could work. Okay. I will invest in that project. I believe you. I have two hundred dollars. <laughs> I have two hundred and one. I have two hundred and two bits. Two bits. God, what are bits? Uh I don't know, but somehow two bits translate to a quarter and it's like whoa, 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 whoa. eight bits is a whole? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, two bits is so one bit is twelve and a half cents. Anyway, um, I have uh, a couple other interesting notes about casting. Okay. Um, another actress considered for the role of Lori was Florence Henderson, another classic '70s TV mom, oh, Carol Brady. Yeah. Yeah, 
Um, and speaking of 70s TV oh, and also stepsons, <laughs> did you know uh, David Cassidy, also star of The Partridge Family, Yeah, her real life stepson? Really? Whom she later married. I'm kidding. She didn't. <laughs> I was about to ask. Did she, she only, marry him? No, she only married his dad. <laughs> um, an interesting note about, um, I did a little bit of uh, research about um, the original production of the Broadway show, but one thing that I thought was interesting was the person who originated the Broadway role of Addo Annie mm-hmm. was Celeste Holm. Okay. Who, um, have you seen All About Eve? <laughs> No, um, but when I worked at Blockbuster, this elderly man came in and asked for it, and I looked it up, and I was like 18. Right. I looked it up. I I hadn't heard of it, and I told him we didn't have it, and he was so mad. (laughs) He's like, it's one of the best films of all time, and you're telling me you don't carry it? He was so mad. I was like, nah, dude, we don't have it. (laughs) Anyways, go on. Um, so anyway, so Celeste Holm uh, was a supporting role in that movie, but gave a standout performance. She plays Karen Richards. Um, just as a, that's just a little side note about that. But she's a great actress. Who played Probably. Eve? Um, an actress named Ann Baxter. Oh. Okay, so. I don't need to tell the whole story of All About Eve. Okay, don't. But but it centers around Betty Davis, who's like an aging star. That's who I... Okay, that's the name that I... Okay, yeah. And she takes under her wing this younger actress who's played by... Who's Eve, who played by Ann Baxter. And um, basically, like, Eve is like this sinister character who's like coming for uh, Betty Davis's career. Mm. And what's funny... (laughs) <laughs> is that at the Oscars that year, Ann Baxter won the Oscar against Ooh. Betty Davis, who was also nominated. Ooh. I know, drama. drama. <laughs> um, another actor that was considered for Curly, actually, I've got a couple. Uh huh. James Dean. Okay. James Dean made it to a screen test, but he did not have the strongest vocals. Yes. Um, And then Rod Steiger, Judd, remarked that um, he and Dean, I guess, like James Dean became close friends, it sounds like. But he said that the issue with Dean's audition was that he relied too much on instinct and that, like, when he had it, he was brilliant. But when he didn't, it just, he couldn't really connect yeah. with the camera. Um, and then another another little story that comes from that relationship is reportedly, and I think Steiger said this himself, but reportedly um, James Dean gave Rod Steiger a copy of um, Death in the Afternoon by oh, Hemingway. Yeah. And he had underlined... Every occurrence of the word death in the book. <laughs> and then he gave it to Rod. Yes. Um, no backstory. Just <laughs> that that was his personal gift to him. Um, I wish I had more to offer you on that. But that's just a fun little anecdote. Um, another little story um, about... Uh, the making of this Broadway production and, you know, the the beginning of Rodgers and Hammerstein's relationship 
um, was that it, from what I from what I read, like the period between what it said between the world wars, Broadway would pretty much hire um, actors who could sing, but Rodgers and Hammerstein's goal was to hire singers who could act. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's smart actually. Yeah. I think that's where you have to go. Yeah, I think I agree as well. Because, well, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, diminish the work that it takes to be a credible actor. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it might be a little easier to train somebody to act than to sing, because there's gonna be people who just don't are tone deaf. Yeah, or just don't really have the. Singing, it does require some natural ability. I think that singing uh, definitely requires more of an innate ability. And I and I know. and you know, I think too you can tell the actors that have a natural acting ability totally. versus the ones that don't. Yeah. I have zero acting ability. I I do not believe. I mean, maybe I could, but I I don't think that I would be a standout yeah. in acting. Um Just Go take a class at the learning in. <laughs> You know what? Before COVID, you know what the last thing I did, actually? Um, it was March 9th, 2020. Oh, God. The last thing I did before COVID was I, I went to an astronomy class. Because Nashville, um, what is it? That's that private school. Um, Lipscomb? No, no, no. High school. High, oh. University um, school of yeah. Nashville. Uh-huh. They offer adult classes. Yeah. On a variety of topics. And I was like, I should, this sounds fun. I'm going to learn new things. So had you just started the class? It was, on, this one was only one class. Oh, okay. But um, it was overcast mm. for an astronomy class. So. Ugh. And that was the last thing And you had did. like telescopes and stuff? Yeah, we went to the observatory. Oh, that's awesome. The Dyer Observatory. It yeah. was awesome, except the sky was cloudy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay. I got a couple more actors. Oh, oh first, but first, no, uh, to <laughs> just to elab- me first, uh, just to elaborate on what I was saying about um, um, ability coming first or whatever. It led to the Broadway, the original Broadway show, not casting any names just because they wanted to rely on talent rather than yeah. I think names. that's that's so smart. And I mean, how do you even make a name until somebody does a great performance? Right, and the the. Th- Theater Guild at the time suggested that Shirley Temple play Laurie <laughs> and Groucho Mark Marx play Allie. Oh Lord! Yeah, but Rodgers and Hammerstein were um, very much against this um, and decided to have no names in the show. Yeah, so they did. They took a different approach with the movie. Um, they did get to maintain a lot of control over the movie. That's why there's no. Um, like bonus song for the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to add any new music. They didn't want a different composer adding new music. Yeah. So they did maintain a lot of rights. So which they was weren't. Great. So they weren't nominated for best song for this. No. Um, interesting. No, because there was not an original for the movie. Yeah. Um, and but anyways, because of their uh, heavy involvement, they they were definitely involved in the casting, and. I think it was Oscar Hammerstein. He was reportedly willing to make any accommodations he had to make to get Frank Sinatra cast as Curly. 
which I cannot picture in my head at all. No. I cannot picture that. No, Um, he has to be like, I mean, I guess it's because Frank Sinatra is kind of known at this point as being like... A crooner. Crooner, debonair, like classy. Like you can't really see him as... I can't see him as I like a. I can't. I'm. I'm actually. Cowboy. I'm pulling up a picture of him in 1955 right now because, I guess the picture I have of Frank Sinatra is a much older one. Right. It wasn't um, until like the 60s that he like. But still, like looking at this picture of him and his fedora, I'm just like I don't. I just don't see him as a Carly. No. I really don't. Did he do much acting anyway? I think early on in his career he did, but by well, the... and of course, singer first, actor second. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm glad that that did not work out. Uh, the last name that I noted for uh, Curly was Paul Newman, but it doesn't look like he made it very far in the process at all. Yeah. Um, he was a new actor at the time, though. Was it so? The actor who played Curly, what was his name again? Um, Gordon McRae. Um, was that his? Was that his voice? Yes, it was. And it was Shirley Jones's voice. Yeah, and yeah. they're both great singers. Um, and I feel like it was obvious that, to me, it seemed obvious that Curly was cast because of what a great singer he was, as well as being dreamy. So dreamy. Um, he, he is a great singer. His voice, what would you call that? Is that a baritone? That's a, he's a tenor. A tenor. It's really deep. Mm-hmm. Um it's not my favorite rendition of Curly, but but I I very much like it. I really really do. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> I like it better than um. There's a there's Hugh one Jackman. that's on yeah. I was gonna say there's <laughs> one that's on Amazon Prime right now, Prime Video, and it's starring Hugh Jackman. And oh, I love Hugh Jackman. I really do. Mm-hmm. But this does not do it for me. Yeah. Um. I mean, talk about campy, and and there's just something about the particular accents that they do on that stage. They're they're just kind of embarrassing. You like, know what I mean? Like stereotypical, like. I mean, it's just like, yeah. I I'm I'm, tr- I'm I'm tempted to like try and mimic it, but I'm too embarrassed. What is uh, like they should have been too embarrassed. What is Hugh Jackman's nationality? He's Australian. Yeah, Australians I feel like can normally do southern accents, mm-hmm. but I don't know. They're uh, Australian is a hard accent to do too. Right. Um. <laughs> speaking of Australian accents, are you talking about Nicole Kidman? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Have you, uh, did you ever see In the Heart of the Sea? This also relates to Moby Dick. No. Okay, so it's a movie about the real life events that inspired the book Moby Dick. Oh, okay. Like, there's a guy that plays um, Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was about to say Nathaniel Hawthorne. I mean, same Um, The Yeah, that plays Herman Melville interviewing a guy that was on the boat that the whole thing is inspired, uh, inspired from. Yeah. And... <laughs> Oh my God! Chris Hemsworth plays the like captain of the ship, and he's trying to do this like a Boston accent. And oh. It's the most, it's the most terrible accent. I'm like, I encourage everybody go look up what? in the heart of the sea accents. It's 
mind-blowing. But like an 18th century Boston accent would not have sounded like... Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. And it sounds like they're trying to do like a family guy kind of like... Like upper, not even Boston, more like upper Maine, you know, kind of area. It sounds like that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's, it's so unfortunate because that movie would be really good, but for just the most ridiculous accents I've ever heard. I mean, like I said, I was mentioning Nicole Kidman. She is not very good at covering up her accent. (laughs) Okay. I hear people say that all the time. And maybe I'm too mesmerized by her, but I don't hear it that often. She's, I mean, she's a great, she's a great actress. I mean. I love her. Yeah. I love her. Um, People said she was too stoic on The Undoing. I did not think so. There was this this girl that I follow on TikTok and she was doing, this was when they had first announced that, um, what is the Ricardo, meeting the Ricardos, is that what it's called? Okay, listen, I watched it. It's not bad. Yeah, I heard that. But she was doing her impression of what she thought Nicole Kidman would yeah. sound like as, sure. as Lucille Ball. I think we all expected it to be horrendous. But she just goes, Ricky, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, like whispering. I, it was weird casting. It was weird casting. Yeah. But Nicole does a very good job. It's the it's the writing that I had the I just don't know if it's a good movie. But yeah. the acting is pretty good. Even Javier Bardem is pretty good and I thought that was I honestly thought that was more bizarre than casting Nicole yeah. as Lucy. I just felt like they picked like or they just tried to brainstorm like famous Pris- Spanish speaking actors. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I did not get and that. And I feel like Javier. they were. I don't know. It, it seemed like. But he's that, good too. It seemed like with that movie, they were more searching for like, I don't know. They wanted like prestige actors for like, I don't know. I know it's it's like Aaron Aaron Sorkin pretense, yeah. and I I like Aaron Sorkin stuff, but this is ugh, but eye roll. But it's also like when they cast Nicole Kidman as Grace Kelly when she was older. Well, that was a bad movie too. But it, but she, but at the time, Nicole Kidman was already like ten years older than Grace Kelly like ever was. Yeah, uh, but like she has porcelain skin. Yes, fine. she's still beautiful. And listen, Clive Owen wasn't any better in that as Hemingway. Yeah, the movie was a bad movie. Yeah. Um. One more thing. Um, about the stage show when they first had their first previews before it went to Broadway. It was called Away We Go with an exclamation yes, point. Yes, I saw that. Um, and So indie. And it didn't get like the best reviews in, in its previews, but one thing that they did take away from it and one thing they changed before it went to Broadway was that they wrote a new song called Oklahoma and then named the show Oklahoma. So, interesting there. <laughs> so anyway, it ended up it ended up um, opening on Broadway to rave reviews, sold out. It won a, a special Pulitzer Prize, um, and Brooks Atkinson from the New York Times wrote that the show's opening number, "Oh What a Beautiful Morning," changed the history of musical theater. It's a beautiful song. He said, after a verse like that, sung to a buoyant melody, the banalities of the old musical stage became intolerable. (laughs) (laughs) I'd 
also just like to point out, I think that the harmonies in all of the songs in this musical are... It's beautiful. I mean, for some reason, I don't know, the harmonies stand out to me more in this musical than any other one. And it's it's widely um, thought that the show's uh, creativity from Rodgers and Hammerstein basically inspired their contemporaries enough to spark the golden age of American musical theater. Are we not already in it, though? I mean, as this, I mean, I don't, I, it's... People yes. love being the first. I know, it's like everything that we research for this is like... It's the best, it's groundbreaking. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, this was the first one to have songs that had story in them. This is the highest grossing <laughs> film of the spring quarter from 1950, <laughs> what now? How, I did mean, it, how did it do at the box office? Um, I don't, it's hard to say, it took a lot of money to do this uh, widescreen filming process. Yeah. Um, in fact, the production company that started production on it was literally, like, founded to do this widescreen filming. Oh, okay. Yeah. Production. Um, so it took a lot for them It took to a lot of money to, like, yeah. yeah, to upstart it. And, um, and I then- want to say... I want to say the total cost was like 11 million, but at the time that's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, it wound up doing okay in America, but you know, they started with that roadshow theater run. Right. Which did not bring in much because uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but another aspect to, to doing the roadshow style. Well, you can't, it can't be as wide of a release. Exactly. It's only in like major cities yeah. and it's more of a staggered release, like not. Um, it's you know it's what we we would call limited release today, right. essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I I know that they eventually recouped everything, uh, but I think it took them a little while. And also abroad, it was pretty much a flop. Yeah, which which is funny because you think because I know that was kind of surprising to me. It seems like like European countries and you know Britain or whatever are really obsessed with like. The American West. Well, and remember when we talked about um, Fiddler on the Roof, and mm-hmm. we talked about how it was a surprise hit in, in Japan. Japan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this was that came out, you know, I guess probably ten years later, yeah, ish, than 15, this movie. Yeah. Was it seventy? I think it was like seventy-one or something. Yeah. So yeah, it came out later, <clears throat> um, but. I guess when I realized that it doesn't really matter about the location or what language it's in, as long as the themes connect with the audience. Totally. For that reason, I sort of thought maybe Oklahoma would have done a little better. Right. But it did not. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Well, do you have anything else to add? Um, Just that the other one, the other Rodgers and Hammerstein... Musical that she was in. It wasn't these. I I don't know if I made this clear. It's not all movies. Some of them are stage productions, but she was in South Pacific. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Gonna watch that man. man, man, man. (laughs) Carousel, South Pacific, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Only actress to go under contract with With R&H. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize her career was like that prolific before 
Partridge family. I didn't either. I yeah. only ever knew her as um, the mom on yeah. the Partridge family. Yeah. So, good for her. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, you actually, I don't think you ever told me what your letter grade was. You were explaining about it. Right. You told so, me. I don't really have a letter grade. Okay. I have an, I give it an OKL. A-H-O-M-A. You have mixed feelings. Oklahoma. Yow. You see... I give it a yow. You see its flaws, but also love it for what it means to you. If I have to pick, I'll give it a B plus plus. Okay. So we pretty much agree. An A minus plus. An A minus plus. (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, do you hear that? Somebody's singing outside. Yeah, I hear. Yes, I do hear that. Anyways. Here in historic Wedgwood, Houston. <laughs> well, again, um, as always, thank you to We Own This Town. As always. As yeah. always. <laughs> you can find us uh, on Instagram at The Hills Are Alive Pod. And uh, you can find Alex anywhere on TikTok. <laughs> I don't. Yes, come find me on TikTok. Anyway, next time we're going into the 60s. Um, and we'll we'll see you there in your go-go boots. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were doing the Music Man. I thought we decided on or Music Man. Oh, we were gonna do Barbara. Yeah, Funny Girl, Babs. I think we should do Funny Girl. <laughs>